bow with me. Father, we come before your word. We ask that you would take your word and do your work in our lives, Father. That the Holy Spirit would break into who and what we are and change us for your glory, Father. And we pray this in the precious, the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. With the Monday night football thing with DeMar Hamlin, uh, I thought I would re revisit the Pat Tillman story. I, I don't know if you remember the, the Pat Tillman story. Uh, 20-some years ago. Anyway, after high school, Pat Tillman headed to Arizona State where he, he landed the school's last available football scholarship. That meant Pat had earned a, a spot on the, the end of the bench Whereas one sports writer put it, dreams go to expire. But four years later, or uh, while he was there, he, he earned that spot. And then, and then four years later, <clears throat> he graduated summa cum laude from ASU, and he was named the Pac-10's conference defensive player of the year and went on to be drafted by the, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I say drafted, uh, he was drafted uh, 226 out of 241. That's way down at the bottom of the list, isn't it? And part of the reason was, is he was only 5'11 and 200 pounds. Can you imagine that on today's football field? How big those guys are? Even so, uh, five months later, he was Arizona's starting strong safety. In his third year, he set a franchise record of 224 tackles. In 2001, the St. Louis Rams offered him, the Super Bowl champion Rams, uh, offered him a $9 million five-year contract. Can you imagine that? $9 million, five years. Which uh, Pat Tillman turned down. Out of loyalty for the team that would take a chance on him, the Arizona Cardinals. Maybe you're beginning to get uh, the difference that was this man. He wasn't your ordinary football player, your ordinary kind of guy. Then when the uh, attack of September 11th happened at the age of 25, he re-evaluated his priorities. 
in the spring of 2002, following his honeymoon, Pat Tillman announced his decision to leave the Cardinals. He was turning down a new uh, $3.6 million three-year contract with, with the Cardinals. As uh, ABC News put it, Tillman felt he needed to lay aside his privileged life in order to defend the country that had given it to him. He enlisted in the Army and was deployed to the Persian Gulf. In May of, 20, uh, of 2002, he went from being this uh, multimillionaire sports superstar to an $18,000 a year grunt in the Army. Quite a change, isn't it? He went from comfort and privilege right into harm's way. Two years later, Thursday, April 22, 2004, Pat Tillman was killed in Afghanistan. Former Cardinals coach Dave McGinnis said, Pat Tillman represented all that was good in sports. He knew his purpose in life and proudly walked away from a career in football to a greater calling. That's quite a story, isn't it? It's moving, it's uh, challenging. I want to ask, what's your story? What is it that motivates you? And is whatever it is, it, is it worth your time, your energy, your effort, your investment? Today, we begin a new study in the book of Romans. It opens with Paul deal, detailing who he was to an assembly of believers he had never met. Romans is one of the most influential books ever written. <clears throat> it has quite literally changed the course of history. Why? Because it has quite literally changed people's lives. When I say people, I'm talking about people like, like Augustine, like Luther, like Wesley. Augustine, yes, already one of the, the world's great thinkers, but a pagan. When he was confronted with the truths from the book of Romans, Romans brought the, the theology of, of a holy God to bear on his life. It clashed headlong with his uh, well-manicured thoughts, his, his paganism. And it sent Augustine spinning. Luther uh, was uh, in the book of Romans when he discovered salvation by grace and ignited the fires of an already smoldering reformation. Luther was confronted by a theology he, 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 he could not ignore, he could not explain away, and he could, could not simply let go of. 
and it set the stage for where he would go and why. It didn't fit with where he was religiously, where he was in the church. He saw that it was different. And when he tried to talk to people in the church, they didn't want to talk about it. John Wesley, on the fateful night of May 24, 1738, Wesley found his, his highly religious, he, he was raised in a Christian home, his highly religious, extremely zealous, but utterly futile religion confronted by a message from Romans. Wesley found his heart, as he would describe it, strangely warm. That's the way he describes it. Strangely warm as the, the theological truths of this book filtered into his life and changed him entirely. There are others. Uh, John Bunyan was so inspired by his study of, the, uh, of Romans that he, he wrote his classic Pilgrim's Progress History has been altered by John Bunyan's book alone. But it came right out of the book of Romans. Where again it clashed with the strenuously guarded arguments that he based his life on. For me, uh, opening this study elicits both anticipation and trepidation. Anticipation, because Romans is a, a, a theological powerhouse. And I want God to be a powerhouse in my life. Uh, trepidation. Because this book is a catalyst for transformation, for change. It's not easy to have our comfortably structured lives examined as this book gets to the heart of who we are in the face of who God in all his holiness is. There is a significant possibility as we study through this book uh, with the eyes of faith that you and I will never be the same again. This has been its history. Why? Because this is its purpose. This is uh, the exact reason that God inspired Paul to write the book of Romans. And it all opens with Paul introducing who he is to a, a congregation he's never met. In telling us who he is, Paul brings up three specific things. Tell me, could you... Define your life uh, in just a handful of things, three specific things. And, and if you follow what Paul does here, and in less than 20 words, this kind of thing only happens when our self-perception is healthy and well-defined. Paul's threefold self-perception, he views himself, first of all, as a slave, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Right off the top, very first thing, Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ. How diametrically 
This runs from pride's natural way of thinking, isn't it? A slave? And yes, for Paul, it was important enough to take the lead in his self-inventory. He was a slave of the Lord. Where do you find yourself this morning? As you filter through your self-identity, do you see yourself as a, a slave? I doubt it. Slavery is not high on our, our list of desired positions, is it? Most of us really shudder at such a premise. But think it over. Think biblically, think theologically, think about your relationship with the Lord. Humility really does come first in our understanding of our relationship with God. It has to. If we're to be rightly related with him. Think back to the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> Matt brought it up last week. The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' own words. His, his premier sermon. Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the 